Electricast. With the Baker's Plus Card, it's easy to get lower than low prices for the win. Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus Card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement, Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure I have the opportunity of presenting special guest Julian Hayes II to the show today. Executive, consult, health consultant, and epigenetic atelier, and the host of Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs. Our guest's initial journey began in the pursuit of becoming a doctor. However, he left after one year to pursue an even bigger dream. Now Julian's the founder of the Art of Fitness and Life. This bespoke concierge health and performance advisory firm helps entrepreneurs, executives, and intrapreneurs elevate their status and upgrade their entire human system. This is accomplished with precision through leveraging their unique DNA, data-driven health metrics, personalized bio-specific programming, a performance team, and high-tech toys. Julian has also written nearly 200 columns at Inc., along with frequently being published over at Entrepreneur, Success, Chief Executive, CEO World, Business Insider, Bodybuilding.com, and many more of the world's largest publications. Lastly, he's the author of the book, Body Architect, a real-world guide to ignite your fitness, look awesome naked, quiet the inner voices of self-doubt and design a lifestyle on your own terms. It's with great pleasure. I welcome Julian to the show. Thank you, Jason. How's it going, man? Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, What an amazing background. I actually like the title of your book when it talks about quieting your, your inner voice of negativity. That's one of the things I always talk about. I wanted to ask you when you first got into this area, what motivated you to pursue the path that you're on right now? The path of fitness. So the path of fitness started when I was 16. So I, my paradigm of health actually was not too good. I actually thought once you become 30, that everything starts to go downhill from there. Luckily that's not the case. Cause I'm, I'm a little over 30 now, but that paradigm was changed. I was playing basketball. I remember about 16 years old and there was an older gentleman, much older than me. That's running up and down the court, just as good as we are. In fact, he's, he's outrunning a lot of kids, not running, outrunning me. I was in pretty good shape, but outrunning most of the people. And I'm, I was fascinated because this is a total paradigm shift for me. And I start talking to him after, and it's not just a typical, yes, eat well exercise, but he's also talking about self-talk and a lot of things that you wouldn't expect in relationships. But I didn't have this aha moment right then and there where I just changed everything. It's like, whatever. But what he did was he planted a seed. And if we know anything about gardening, when you plant a seed in the ground, it's in the dark, you don't see anything above the ground yet, but there's still activity happening below the ground. And it just takes time for it to germinate and come up. And I think that's what happened to me. So years later, I just caught this bug to really take control of my health. And one thing led to another that led me to medical school. And then I left medical school, but I still had this curiosity and it just led me to genetics learning about genetics because I had some issues in my family and other families don't have that. 
And then it led me to the, just the question of how good can I get? So I'm on this quest all the time of just really advancing what we as humans even think about in terms of our potential and in really changing what we think about aging and, and how we look at aging. I tell people who come to me for readings or just people in my life. So many of us have these self-imposed deadlines. I'm 30. Oh my God. Or I'm 40. I'm 46. Oh my God. I'm 46. What now? And I'm like, you don't need to do that. Think of your life like a book. You're on page 46. So anything you haven't accomplished to date, turn the page, keep going. Don't, don't focus on, I know there's biological clocks and stuff like that, but I'm talking about when the mind works. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I feel like self-doubt can creep in and it can cripple us. And I wanted to ask you, how did you feel that you've been able to overcome self-doubt when you've gone through some life transitions? Luckily now it's mentorship. So I have mentorship because that's a big thing for me. So I'm, I'm quite impatient and I just like to produce, produce, produce. And some things just take time. You cannot rush it. It's like baking a cake, <laughs> right? If the cake recipe says 400, but you like, well, if I put it at 500, that should shorten the time. Well, you're going to mess up the cake and the cake's not going to be able to fully maturize as it should. And so that's one of the things that I have to remind myself is that all the people that came before me in doing things in business, doing things in life, relationships, health, and everything, you can't skip the steps. I think of myself as special, but I also know that I'm not special enough to where I can just get special access and skip steps in terms of these goals that I want. So that helps me put things in perspective. And that also time is really what I make it. Time is going to move on regardless. It can feel fast. It can feel slow, but it's really about how you deal with that time. So I have that. And then I also, I read a lot of books. I study a lot of different people. And that also helps me to realize that a lot of times what I'm going through, it's not unique. It feels unique. It feels hard, but it's not really hard. It's only hard because it's unfamiliar. And so things that are typically unfamiliar to us, that's what feels difficult and hard. It's like your whole comfort zone. If you don't, if you, if you go outside of your comfort zone, you're not familiar with it, you could be uncomfortable. And some people consider that a stressor, but actually that could be something that can make you stronger. It could be an accelerator in a certain way. Absolutely. And the thing about stress is stress gets a bad rap. A lot of times, <laughs> anytime we talk about stress, it's a bad thing. But when we're working out, we're putting stress on our body, but we're also coming back and recovering and getting stronger for the next time that we go at it. So really stress, and this is called hormesis, is you're pushing yourself enough outside your comfort zone to grow. And then you're going to take time to recover and then do it again, rinse and repeat. And over time, that's where you're becoming stronger. You're becoming better able to handle that stress. One of the things I find fascinating when I was looking at your information is athletic performance, um, high-performing athletes, mm -hmm. business leaders who have these ex exceptional job records or peak performance type thing. And I wanted to ask you, what do you think we can learn from studying how athletes focus, how business leaders focus to create their own manifestations or create their worlds that they're in? Mm -hmm. it's, for athletes, the number one thing for athletes that can teach business leaders definitely revolves around the world of recovery. So a lot of times in business, you can just go, 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 go. The model is I can pour more resources into the company. I can grow it faster, more, 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 more. Whereas as an athlete, they know that yes, you can do more, 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 but there's also a dichotomy to that. There's a balance that must take place. So we look at some of the top athletes. Now look at LeBron James. What he's doing right now is it's not seen before, right? To be performing at such a high level, I think nearly 20 years into the league. And he has a whole performance team of different modalities, different types of people looking over his health. So he's very diligent about his health. You can look at Kobe Bryant as well. He was the same way. So a lot of these top athletes, Michael Jordan and Tim Grover, all these athletes are very intentional with the recovery aspect. Yes, they want to perform. Yes, they want, they're go-getters, but they also recognize recovery. And that's the thing in the more business world where it typically falls short because in the business world, you get badges of honor oftentimes for burning the midnight candle, sleeping three hours, chugging coffee and, and basically damaging your body and not thinking about the long-term because it's all about now, now, now. But the funny, well, I shouldn't say funny thing, but the thing is you're wrecking yourself right now to get all the success, to get all this money. 
And then down the line, you're going to have to use this very money to try to replenish your health. <laughs> and so it's, it's a vicious cycle. That's interesting when you say that, because I think about taking care of ourselves mm-hmm. and having the ability. Most of us neglect the day-to-day care because we get so caught up in the minutia of our moment mm-hmm. and we don't do the things that we should do to deescalate our stress or the negative stress we might deal with. And I, I find that one of the things that if people could be more mindful and meditate or, or open themselves up to just releasing the negativity of the day, that they could find themselves in a much better position to increase their peak performance. And I wanted to ask you, because you brought up self-talk earlier, how do you find once mindset and paradigm influences their ability to manifest or to achieve and become optimal in their performance? I think it, I think it's the basis of everything because everything starts with thought. Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Tulusma. I'm a writer and emotional intelligence coach and the host of Humanize with Blue Tulusma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on Electricast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. And then typically that thought becomes a feeling or emotion. And then typically that's going to lead to the action we're taking. And generally then that's going to dictate how we talk and literally what we talk and speak brings, can bring to life and can take away life. So I think that's everything at the basis. And you can look at famous rappers. You can look at, you can even look at different businessmen and I think one of just off the top of my head for some reason was I read John D. Rockefeller's biography and, you know, maybe he's not the best person in the world for kind of the way he handled business. But I do appreciate that as a little boy, teenager, before he had any type of money like he did ended up with, he carried himself in a certain way. He spoke like a businessman. He dressed like a businessman before he was a businessman. So it wasn't it wasn't faking until you're making it, but you're acting as if. Because a mentor always tells me that you don't get what you want. You attract what you, you don't get what yes. you are, want. You attract what you are. So you become that thing. You speak that thing. And then those things start to manifest. So I'm a big believer in, in that. And like the secret. And I, as I do my own manifestation board and I meditate and focus on, and things fall into place sometimes for me where I'm like pretty amazed how that it's like a law of gravity in my mind. I consider it like if you can respect sunlight and if you can respect nature, you can respect manifestation because it's, that's how powerful it is. And, and, and it's right. I agree with you. I always think in terms of when they happen, not if they happen and Absolutely. word choices can help. It's like putting the right song on the radio to listen to. If you can use the right words in your mind, you can defeat yourself talk and you can become much more precise in what you're going to manifest. Yeah. I think the hard part with manifestation is when people try it, they always have this deadline. So it didn't happen in three months. So it, this, this manifestation stuff didn't work. I think that's the biggest issue because at least speaking personally for me, that was the biggest thing is that I'm doing this thing. I got my vision board. I I'm, I'm meditating. I, I'm doing all these d- different things. Why is it not here yet? And what I didn't realize is that I'm focusing more on why it's not here instead of focusing on already having it. And you're pushing so it I, away by so doing it. Yeah. So I'm actually pushing it away. So whereas I should hold the vision, hold what I want in place firmly, no matter what the physical environment and current reality is saying, because if I can already think it and see it, then it's already real. It just has to have time to manifest itself. And so I think that's the, that's another difficult part of manifestation is that we have this image in our head. We have this vision. We see it crystal clear. We have it all perfectly written out. We've written it out. It's on the vision boards, but our physical reality at times doesn't reflect that. Or someone tells us, oh, you don't have those things. What are you talking about? You're crazy. Get out of here with that. You know, you're crazy. So I think that's the hardest part. And that's where you have to really guard your mind with all your might. You know, one of the things we all deal with is aging. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to ask you about aging because I feel like as I get older, I feel younger. And I, I, I literally mean that I was more serious in my 20s than I am my 40s because I was practicing law starting out. And now in my 40s, I've after I had cancer a few years ago, I had a paradigm shift where I appreciate life more living in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you, like, 
when you think of people and how they approach aging, what recommendations would you make in terms of how to age healthily or what steps they should take at this stage, depending on where they are in their life? Well, you completed the very first step, which is not a very exciting answer, but you completed the very first step, which is your mindset. It starts in your mind. It doesn't matter how many different genetic testings, different nutritional assessments, different biometric technologies, any of that. None of that means nothing if you actually do not believe it and change your whole mental construct. So the first step is to change your mental construct, to challenge yourself and to even see that there can be an alternative. There can be a different paradigm because a lot of times when we think about aging, we think about getting colder, your metabolism slows down, you gain weight, the weight won't come off. You you feel your brain feels slower. It's not firing as quickly. So it's all these negative connotations. And then you think of different chronic illnesses. So the first thing is to start in our mind of, okay, it doesn't have to be this way just because somebody else says it's this way, or just because that's what I see out here doesn't mean that that has to be my paradigm. And so after we go to the mind, then you can start doing more tactical actions. The next thing I like to do is to write down what does optimal health mean to you? What does, and the reason why is because not everyone wants to be super muscular and live at the gym and be 10% body fat. That doesn't mean you're healthy. The optimal, optimal health has a lot of different masks and identities that you can put itself around. So it's very imperative to know what you're aiming for. Cause a lot of times with clients, they think they're coming in for something, but what they really want is something else, but they never really taken the time to think about what that is and what that really looks like to them. They're going off somebody else's paradigm of what optimal health is. So I really want you to write down what optimal health is. How do you want to look? How do you want to feel? What energy do you want to give off your, your presence? Well, you know, we were talking about energy beforehand. That's part of health. You yes. can just feel when someone has good energy, generally the, pe- the people with the better energy are typically going to be the people that are healthier as well. It all comes together because it's, it's an entire system. It's like a gestalt kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so after you do that, now you can start to get even more tactical. I like to get baselines. So if you haven't had any lab testing, know your numbers. So I would say get all your numbers in so you can have a baseline. Okay, at 41, this this is what all my numbers were. And then you can keep going about that over the course of time. So you have something to measure against. And then you can then you can do things such as assessing where you are. Do I need to lose weight? Do I need to gain muscle? What do I need to do? And that's very bio-specific. We were talking about this before we started the interview too. Uh, we had a, a, a really cool opening talk. I wish sometimes I wish that could get recorded, but the conversations happen the way mm-hmm. they do. And we were discussing different things regarding having sleep and being rested. And you keep talking about recovery, which I love. Most of us don't focus on the recovery. We think of that as like the after product of things. Mm-hmm. And it should probably be more of a, of a goal at the outset. I wanted to ask you about that in terms of from your vantage point, how does sleep and recovery with a new paradigm, I would say, probably it sounds like mm-hmm. what, how, how, what type of priority should we put on sleep and recovery to help us become optimal? Well, when it comes to sleep, you know, we're, it's connected to every thread of life. So if you th- look at it this way, look at it as like, it's our puppet master is pulling all the different strings. Every facet of life is connected to sleep and recovery in some form of aspect. And Think about this. I, I look at relationships. I look at emotional intelligence, even so not just relationships, but also how you handle your coworkers, how you handle your employees. Because for instance, if you're sleep deprived, you're going to, for a decent amount of a period, a couple of days or so, you're going to have changes in your brain activity. Two simple ones. You can say there's a prefrontal, prefrontal cortex and your amygdala. Think of your amygdala, very primitive, more flight or flight highly emotional. Think of your prefrontal cortex as more logical and reasoning. And when you're sleep deprived and you keep building even more of a sleep debt, that activity in the prefrontal cortex is going to decrease. Whereas that activity in the amygdala is going to increase. So what you're getting is someone who's acting more and more and more off of their emotions and flight or flight, instead of acting with logic and reasoning which you can see how that's an issue in relationships. Oh, yeah. you, you have a short, you have a shorter temper. You're a lot more irritable. You can see how that goes in the workplace. You can also see how that goes when you're making nutritional decisions because you're not as thinking as clearly 
it's more emotional. So you're going to grab what's convenient. You're going to yeah. search. And if you're in an agitated state, that's an energy. And so you're trying to combat that energy. You're probably going to see something that represents pleasure to you, sweetness. And that's typically going to be probably some junk food or something that's not ideal. It's definitely not going to be a smoothie probably. So because you're trying to bring more pleasure and sweetness into your life because you're in this negative agitated state. So that's one example right there. Losing weight. There's plenty of studies on that as well. I think one group slept for eight hours or seven hours. Another group slept for five hours. They both lost weight, except the one group that slept to seven hours, they lost more fat compared to weight. More efficient. Whereas, uh-huh. Whereas the other group, they lost weight, but, but that weight was losing muscle as well. Oh. So that defeated the purpose because they still have a lower metabolic rate and they're still not improving their body aesthetics and composition as they desire to when they went into that. And then hormonally as well, sleep plays a big part as well, because when you're sleeping, your brain, your brain is cleaning out all this junk from the day. If you're learning things, you're processing a bunch of information, that's where your brain is storing that at night. And we have these different breakdowns of sleep. We have the REM sleep. We have the deep sleep. And these all serve a purpose. When we think about REM, we think about consolidating memories and a lot of, um, and information and basically taking this new information that we have and putting it in a blender with everything else and then hitting the button and it's all jumbled up. And then in the morning, it's all put together, ready for us to go about our day again. And then when we think about deep sleep, this is more like the physical recovery. A lot of different hormones are helping our bodies replenish itself from the day so we can get back at it. Wow. You know, I, I just had an aha moment as you were saying that, because I thought about it. If you think of that kind of study, five hours versus seven hours and having the ability to gain, keep your muscle mass and lose the fat versus mm-hmm. the lack of efficiency there, that's where sleep and recovery go in my mind. Like it was a, a, a switch that just got flipped mm-hmm. on your analogy. I thought that was a really good uh, anecdote to explain it. And, and I like that because so many times we think if we push, 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 mm-hmm. burn the midnight oil, push, push, push. We, that's what our society encourages us to do, but that's not really the way we should be living our lives. And that shouldn't be the way that we're trying to focus ourselves. Yeah. I think I heard this somewhere that we're the only creatures in this world who intentionally sleep deprive themselves for no other reason. The only time other animals would do it is if they're being chased or there's danger lurking or something. We're the only ones who willingly do it. And let's be realistic. I don't sleep seven to eight hours every night. <laughs> Sometimes work does happen and it's a four or five hour night. And maybe you take a nap, but maybe that next day you're being a little more mindful of your activity. And maybe I'm bringing dialing back in my activity. So I'm not working out as intensely to counter affect the little sleep I get. So definitely do not think that if I don't get seven hours, it's it's all doom and gloom. It's not really the case. So it's the the body, the body is very fascinating. The body is, you can put the body through a lot of, a lot of stress. You can be very neglectful of your body and it can pretty much heal itself. It's, it's, it's quite a fascinating entity that, that the body is. I'm, I'm, well, you learn something about it every day. From our conversation, I'm thinking of it as treating your body like a temple, mm-hmm. doing, getting the upgraded oil for the car. You're like doing what you can do to increase your opportunities for peak health mm-hmm. and, and, and managing yourself in such a way where you're not going to let things go in your life where you can neglect your body. Cause if we neglect our body, the opposite can happen. We can get stuck with a lot of health issues or I, I lost 50 pounds after I had my cancer through intermittent fasting and my own methodologies that clicked for me. It has to be like whatever works for the person. Right. Absolutely. And, and one of the things I'll say is it was like just waking up for me, it was waking up and having cancer and be like, you know, I need to lose 50 pounds. It took me a year or so. My point is, I think a lot of people go through those kind of things, but sometimes it might be where they feel like they're stuck. They can't lose the weight. They're hundred pounds overweight and they just don't think they can do it. And I would just say, my take on it is change your, change your mindset. Like you're talking about mm-hmm. change the paradigm. Would yeah. you have any suggestion, anybody in the audience about if they struggle with themselves with fitness goals or what you think they should do? I think there's a, there's a stage where it just feels like no man's land. You're already way past the finish line, but you're not, I mean, you're way past the starting line, but you're not close enough to the finish line to where you can see it yet. So you're just out in the middle. It's basically like for me, if I'm doing a, if I'm doing like a 20 mile run, it's basically like I'm at mile 11. I've made significant progress, but I still have nine more to go. And that's a long time. <laughs> and so I'm just out here. I'm just like, Oh my God, is this ever going to end? 
And in that instance, I think a couple of things you could do. One is look at where you started at and see how far you come from there. Two, continually stay locked in and dialed in to where you're going into that ideal person that you're becoming, as we talked about earlier. And three, more tactically, is to maybe what you're doing, maybe you need a slight pivot, not a full pivot, but maybe a slight tweaking. Maybe it's something with your calories. Maybe it's something with your lifestyle. Maybe there's something hormonally that's going on. So maybe a slight slight tweaking will be there. And then I think accountability or having some support team is beneficial in that regard because a lot of times the way the world is now, the world is built on convenience and the world's very accepting of just being okay. And if you're not, if, if, if you're striving to be above average and really striving to be yourself, you can feel like an outlier. You can feel like the minority. You can feel like, like, wow. I mean, it can feel lonely out here because most people don't have that, that ambition to really push themselves to really go for something better. They're just, they just take what's given to them. So I, I would do a combination of those things to start off with. I want to ask you, how did you get motivated to create the art of fitness and life? I had an initial business called 206 Fitness, and I just like things that have the word the art in it, and it just sounds cool. And I needed a rebrand. Something was telling me that because if if because I was never going to be just when I first started and left school, I was focused mostly just on physical. Everything was about fat loss looking great at the beach, very superficial, but then I'm maturing. I'm, I guess, getting more enlightened and it just didn't fit. The branding just didn't fit. And then if you think about it, you go past a lot of fitness businesses, it's always like John, John Jones fitness or John Brown fitness. It's always like, and so that got on my nerves and I, cause I didn't, I don't like being like everyone. <laughs> and so I saw the art of the art of living, the art of something, all these, some of these books and everything. I was like, hmm, I like the art of, it just sounds cool. So the art of fitness and life, and then the domain was available. And I was like, well, there you go. <laughs> that's great. That's great. You're being guided. That's an example right there. How I find spiritual stuff can guide you. You, you kind of sounds like you, you had a path that you were pursuing with a message there and you came up with that. Yeah. Oh. And I just saw that it was more, it felt classic. And then I knew I wanted to use the colors black and white because, you know, and it fit my personality more. And so it, it just, it just came to me. It's hard to explain those things. It, Sometimes. It, it, yeah. I understand that totally. I, I think it's also like you just, if, when you're creative and you're in the process and things develop, and I, I can tell you that you're a highly creative person. We talked about that before the interview. You, you will burn the midnight oil. You'll be, you know, you might be a little sleep deprived because you have an amazing idea that you want to put into mm -hmm. focus or accomplish. One thing I want to ask you about is when you think of nutrition and so many people think it's like this mythical thing that they have to <laughs> chase after. I, I think there's some straightforward aspects of nutrition that you could probably explain to us. I want to see if you could do that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like you said, it's, it's not some mythical thing. It's easy to get I guess it's easy to get kind of lost in the details because you have different types of diets and movements that come out every now and then. And that just like, maybe I should do this, but at the basis of typically all of those diets and plans and nutritional strategies is really the same philosophies. It's avoiding a lot of, of the processed foods, eating more foods that come from nature that you can grow. If you're in animals that you can kill and eating that, in a, in an amount that's appropriate for you and for vegetables, it's a nutritional regimen that's full of plants. Now I know there's carnivore and I have some friends where it seems to be working for them, but I don't know long-term. So you just have to see their blood work and everything. I guess I'm kind of the thing of if it's working for you and it's working for your blood work and all your biomarkers look great, then I guess do it because I understand that genetically we are all different, but speaking for the masses and typically having a diet that's more plant-based is more ideal. Now I eat a bunch of meat, but I also eat a bunch of plants as well with that. So that's what I mean, plant-based. So plant-based got kind of got marketed 
to mean that you're vegan or vegetarian when really I think we all should be plant-based. It's just that some of us, yeah, some of us just, some of us just eat protein or, or some of us just eat meat with that. Now, pretty much I think of people's plate and I look at, okay, let's have some protein in there. Let's have some carbohydrates and then let's have some healthy fats. Healthy fats can be things such as different, like olive oil, avocado oil, and then, or eggs, you know, with the yolk in it, there's, there's steak. I'm not too big of a steak person, but then there's, there's salmon, there's sardines, there's mackerel, and you're also getting nutrients such as the omega-3s, which is highly critical for brain health and just overall keeping the level of inflammation in our body at its balance, because you don't want to get rid of inflammation completely because it does serve a purpose. It's just that typically the ratio of inflammation in our body steers more toward that omega-6, that more pro-inflammatory. So that helps keep, keep it in balance a little bit. So fish two to three times a week, more, I prefer more. I, I, I generally push, try to nudge people more because I, I do think fish is the dominant. If I had to pick a protein source, I, I really think fish. I really think salmon and just the mackerel and sardines. I would, I get, I'm a little biased, but I, I just, I just love the profiles because you're getting so many quality nutrients in it. I mean, chicken, chicken has protein and it has a few other trace minerals and everything, but that's about it. Steak, steak is pretty nutritious as well, but I'm, I'm just not a big steak guy. Yeah. I, I only do steak on special occasions. I feel like and I yeah. try to stay more balance with my approach as well. It's, it's a yeah. learned process. Yeah. And, 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 and our genetics plays a big, our genetics plays a big part in that because, you Absolutely. know, I have, I have genetics that, you know, if I'm trying to lose weight, a higher carbohydrate diet is more ideal for me. Whereas I have some clients where when they're losing weight, a lower carbohydrate diet is most likely going to be ideal for them. And it's just all about our genetics and talking about fat. Some of us have, some of us cannot process the fat as effectively the saturated fat which is why I'm mindful of just telling everyone to eat steak and just eat butter and everything, because some of us cannot process that saturated fat. And that's going to lead to a quicker cognitive decline potentially in our brains. And, you know, that's where our genetics and everything comes into play and the bio-individuality. How did you get into the, the genetic stuff? What, mm -hmm. what motivated you or prompted you to pursue that as a path? I thought about the next steps in terms of, in terms of health and fitness and just personally for myself. And I just saw that you know, my father was sick for years. He was on dialysis and my grandfather passed. And I just saw a bunch of illness and suffering. And I didn't think that just the mainstream medical establishment, it was just treating the disease, but we wasn't really thinking about like how this happened. Now I know like lifestyle and everything, but you've seen some people who just eat a ton of junk food and they're fine. Their fasting glucose A1C is all perfect. And then some people can't touch that stuff without it going up. And so, I mean, for me now, I know that I have, I have a high propensity for insulin resistance. So if I go off the rails a little bit, one of the first things that's probably likely going to show up in my blood work and so forth is going to be elevated insulin, elevated fasting glucose, elevated fasting insulin. So maybe leading toward that road to diabetes, which makes sense because a lot of people in my family had that along with the dialysis and different amputations. So that's one of the first things where some families, it's more cognitive. You see a lot of dementia, you see those kind of things, but you very rarely see the cardiovascular issues. Exactly. And so I like control at the end of the day. I like the feeling of control. Now I know we really not in control of everything, but I like the feeling of thinking I'm in control. Yeah. So, and so that's what this does to me because oftentimes we heard that your genes are your destiny. It runs in my family. So it's going to happen to me. And that's not the case. Our genes are merely just clues to the past. And then we have the epigenetics, which is how we can mold our future and leverage that genome that we have to the best of our abilities. And I just think that you know, the average life expectancy is 75, 77, hasn't been moving up that much. And I was just like, you know, we can do better as a society. And, and then another thing is I just needed a challenge to keep me interested. It just got boring, just being superficial, thinking about just lose weight, look great at the beach. And it's cool when you're like 23, 24, but then you start seeing that there's much more to life and that you can have a bigger impact, you know, and there's going to be people after you. 
as well that you can influence. So by me taking care of my body, I can, the previous generations are going to get started off with a more optimal genome just from being born. And just for me taking care of myself, because we could go back to the Dutch famine. I think it was in the forties and two to three generations after those families that came from that still had markers on their genome from the famine. And so that is, and so what that means in practical terms is that they had more propensities for disruptions with their nutrition, disruptions with their insulin, just all because of the famine. And so gaining weight was going to be something that could happen quicker for them just to counteract what happened in the famine. So that's why like everything is connected, even generations after us or before us. And I just think that's so cool. Yeah. But our genes can, I mean, retains all that, you know, it's almost like it's a blueprint for us, of course. And then it retains all the traumas and the stresses that we've gone through as our, 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 our relatives and our deceased loved ones that had experienced before us. Yeah. And that's why I also say that I was telling friends and stuff during the time of the pandemic and everything that, you know, times may seem tough right now and it may seem like a lot of craziness, but you can definitely handle it. You, you can definitely, you're definitely resilient enough to handle it. And I know that because we're here right now having this conversation yeah. and with genes, only the strong survive with our genes. If, if our genes and ours wasn't strong enough, then we would not be here. So we have something in it, in us right now that this place that we have that strength because our ancestors in no matter what your races or whatever went through something much more difficult with less resources to make life easier and survive. And so that gives me the fact, and that gives me the assurance that I can survive whatever I'm going through now. And that can tie it back into when we're talking about fitness and talking about getting over the hump with something is that you're stronger than you think. It's just that maybe you haven't conditioned yourself to realize just how powerful you are, but you are much more powerful than you think. You mentioned a 20 mile run about 10 years ago, or maybe learned at this point, I did a, a marathon in honor of my grandfather. Mm-hmm. And I remember training for the marathon thinking, how am I going to do this? And I did it in little doses and steps, one mile a day to building upon it months at a time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like by preparing your body, you could do a lot of things you'd never think you can do, but a lot of it comes mental. It does. The preparation yeah. comes here because for me with my marathon, I had to, you know, realize it's 20 miles, but you can do 26.2 miles. It's not a, it's not a, you're not going to be having an obstacle. If you learn to get through it in your brain, you got to train, you got to get the body prepared, but the mind's got to be able to lead. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm not a quote unquote runner. I just picked up running maybe, maybe like a year and a half ago. I was more in just the lifting weights, boxing, sprinting, basketball world. And I decided to do this as a challenge to get into endurance work. And it's completely mental, but I will say the highs from running are different from the highs from lifting. So I think if I'm telling people to train, I think having both is more is ideal. Actually is not everyone needs to run 10 miles, 20 miles. You don't need to do all that, but have some sort of cardiovascular, maybe it's cycling, a spin class or something, a stairmaster to go along with lifting weights, because if we're looking for longevity purposes as well, we also have to think about our cardiovascular system, our blood flow, our, our respiratory system, along with lifting weights to strengthen our, our bone density and our hormones as well. And so keep in mind that it is a human system and that it, it is good to train all areas, it, it, but you can still have a preference over the other. Just don't forget about the other area. What role do you think spirituality plays in being fit and being balanced and trying to maximize who we are? I think it's the basis because let's say we have this physical body here that's flesh and that's flesh and blood. Right. But then we have another body that's underneath. And I think that's the spiritual body. That's the thing that guides us. That's our intuition. That's the voice we hear that nobody else hears. And that can go both ways at times, (laughs) but so I think that's the spiritual body. And I think that spiritual body is going to dictate the physical because as we talked about earlier, everything starts, starts with thought, you know, this, this, zoom this microphone these headphones everything started with thought and it manifested itself because of that thought so the basis right. of, yeah so it, it starts with thought so spirituality 
is the, the basis of everything. It, it is. And a, a cool fact is I forgot the exact number and everything, but just by simply meditating or doing some mindfulness habit, you are changing. Don't quote me on this, but I want to say, I think over like a five to six week time, you can change about 40% of your genome in a positive way just from meditating. I meditate so much during the pandemic because I was alone a lot. Mm-hmm. It, it was like an escape, but it also helped me become more centered. And yeah. it, it trains. It, I feel like it's a software that runs our, our machines in our mind, you know, like the, the way is. we. And so when you think of it that way, you're doing yourself such a service. When you get stuck in traffic, I tell people, just take three deep breaths and start meditating. Mm-hmm. That's what meditation can be. You don't have to be laying flat and eyes closed and deep, deep breaths. No. No, you don't have to do it. There's, there's so many different types of meditations you can do. You can do a walking meditation. Exactly. You can, one of my favorite things that I do now is there's a lot of these videos on YouTube of just different meditation videos. And it's just music playing in the background at different frequencies. And just, some of those, some of those are like meditation music for cleansing negative energy. One of those is for manifesting abundance and love or money. And there's all these different levels on YouTube. And so I just play those and have those playing throughout the house at times as well, because I want an environment of peace. That's a healing modality right there. Music, yeah. sound, background music, fighting. It those is. Are all how I view it. Yeah. I, I didn't even think of it that way, but you're exactly correct. It is a healing modality and it creates a state because in my opinion now, maybe it's always been like this, but it seems like the world wants you to get amped up, amped up, amped up, amped up, amped up, amped up, and worked up and worked up. And so you have to counter that because we already have our work and other things in life going on. That's probably going to amp us up as well. And so we're always in this flight or flight state, this sympathetic state. And then we have this other parasympathetic state here that's rest and digest. And we need that balance. And that's where, you know, if you wear one of these wearables, you might see something called HRV on there. And that's where that comes into play. It's just how well is your body, how well is your nervous system handling everything? What's that, what's that balance? And a lot of times people are very gravitated toward the sympathetic state, flight or flight. So yeah. it's hard, it's hard for them to turn off. Their stress levels are up. They tell me they can't meditate. And I'm like, you can meditate. You just yeah. gotta train yourself. Like you, yeah. you can't just jump in it and act like you're going to go do a deep swim. If you've never learned how to swim before, you got to exactly. do the baby steps. Mm-hmm. I tell people that all the time. Yeah. So for me, I, I have, I have the music on and then I might take five or 10 minutes and just close my eyes. And I think about, okay, this is what I'm working toward. This is what I'm building. This is the life I want. This is the life I have not want, but have. So I have to watch myself saying, I want this. I want that because I think I read a book, really good book called levels of energy. And they talked about, if you always just say you want something, you want something, you want something, you're really indicating that you like something. So why not just have it, right? And then getting that feeling of having. So when I'm visualizing now, it's, I have, I have X, Y, Z, I have this, I have that. And I'm getting in the feeling of that, of already feeling, having that. And then what that does then is when I get done, I act like that person. I move like that person. I talk like that person. So if you want to be a great businessman, how does a great businessman go about themselves. They act a certain way. They're confident, et cetera, et cetera. If you want to attract a certain mate, how do you attract that mate? You have the confidence. You have the confidence. You be that person. And then energetically, I think you pull that Visualize person it. in. Yeah. Cause you know, this is kind of off subject, but if you think about people who's like, there's like, I can't find anyone good out here or all these bad things, this scheme seem to keep happening to me. And you're like, why? And then you see some people over here, they seem like they have the Midas touch. <laughs> And it's not a coincidence. I, it's I, it's energy and thought. And that thought can bring energy. Look at my language. This is the stuff yeah. I do on a daily basis. <laughs> I have to say something before you got into the energy discussion earlier. I had a, a, a premonition kind of thing for you to tell you that uh-huh. I see you writing something about like a Reiki healing kind of thing or energy healing inter- interacting with your specialty in the future. You're going to do something from your influences <laughs> of what you've been reading about. Yeah. And I feel like you're going to publish something or do a an explainer from your point of view on how these things interconnect yeah. with what you do now and your, and your specialty. You know, I used to be a very skeptical of this, all this energy stuff. It used to be just, if I can't see it, it's not real. It's just very science, you know, science, science, science and circumstances and just reading. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I re- I can just relate this to health now and everything. Cause I typically man, I manifested my health and performance. I just didn't realize 
that I manifested it. Exactly. Because I, <laughs> I want, I, I thought about a certain image. I thought about having a certain kind of way, giving off a certain aura and vibe, having certain compliments given to me. And, and, and it feeds into it. And feed into it. Yeah. And it happened. I just didn't realize I was like, I've been manifesting this entire time. I just didn't have an understanding of it. Speaking of the spiritual, I think we were talking about the, the spiritual and it's related to health and fitness. It's everything because everything starts with thought and never thought I would say that, but here we are. That's why we, we continue well, to evolve and, and learn. What? We're in a spiritual renaissance right now, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Everybody got clustered up with the pandemic. I feel, and I feel that. Mm -hmm. And now we're so much more open to be able to have these conversations. Five years ago, I didn't have these conversations before my show. Like, it's just the way it works. And if we're able to accept, like you were just saying, how I told you, you have your own guidance system inside yourself, your own intuition. We all do. Mm -hmm. And yours guided you to, to, to make those understandings within yourself. Yeah. And it's it, powerful. It, yeah. Because even like even eating and even going for a run, like I'm going for a run this afternoon and then I'll go to the, the sauna as well. It's kind of like a spiritual experience for me now. It is. You know, even eating because I'm not just eating and running and going to the sauna. It's not just you're balancing all these things. Yeah. yeah it's not just like I'm, I'm physically working on my looks and everything, but it's like I'm cleansing myself in the sauna. I'm sweating. I'm, I'm detoxifying. I'm purifying my energy, you know, my spirit. And it's kind of like the thing with running. I'm clearing my mind. So for some people, I think that will be benefit. I think that could be the thing that can help you motivate. If you're more of a, if you're more in tune with the mental and the spiritual world, as opposed to the physical, then leverage that to still take care of your health and fitness more and to be more disciplined with it, to say that. So like when I'm eating, you're not just eating for the physical, but you're eating for the spirit as well, because what you eat can also affect how you think. Very true. Very true. So, I was going to yeah, say, one, one thing I learned about that when I started doing intermittent fasting spiritually, I noticed that I was more attuned, pick up stuff even more than I normally do when my body mm -hmm. was fasting, when I was in that state of keto. Because the extra calories, I believe, with the energy of breaking down your, you know, your fat stores versus you filling it up with my old habits, I, I think it becomes more efficient for the body when you're not consuming it with excess fat. So it all interplays. Mm -hmm. And spiritually, you could be more in tune, more intuitive, open to things. You might be, you know, it's just it all interrelates, like you said, the gestalt. Yeah. And so that's that's just kind of like my dream of the future is for people you know, just the world to realize that it's a human system, that this is the entire human system here and everything plays into it. And the environment, you know, us and the environment is dynamically interacting with each other right now. And Absolutely. it's, it's influencing what our genes are doing. Some genes are turning on right now. Some genes are turning off. Some are expressing, some are repressing. And just to really keep that in mind that everything that you're doing is influencing your life, your body, and even the people potentially that you're going to meet in some form or fashion. I believe in synchronicity. I don't know if you've heard of that before, but that's like mm -hmm. where things align a certain way and you, you meet certain people come in your life and they feel exactly what you need them to fill, or you do that for others, or, you know, it's a various, it's a pretty large concept, at least how I understand it. I appreciate that. It's like, I consider it like a law of nature, looking at the bigger patterns in your life and not being so held up on what's in front of you as an obstacle. Like you could be on, you could zoom out and look beyond it. One of the sentences that I have, so I have, I, I not only have my like my my vision for the year and manifesto written out of what I am and everything what I'm doing, but I also recorded it because and I sleep with it. I just have it on loop when I'm sleeping at night. And one of those things I talk about is that obstacles are really an illusion for us. And, you know, if it was really an obstacle, then you couldn't overcome it. But the fact that you can yeah. overcome these obstacles, then it's really just an illusion. The speed bumps. <laughs> I always see obstacles. Speed speed bumps, inconveniences. And I think yeah. I think a lot, I think a lot of times sometimes I'm like, I think you're testing me now to make sure this is what you really want, to make sure that you are prepared for what you're asking for. And I think these moments are here for because a lot of things, you know, we talked about at the beginning where you like you had a little detour on some things that you were working on and everything. And that freaked me out because you are exactly right. I had like a two to three year detour where I had to stop a lot of things because I was, I was helping out family. And I was like, wow, that that's like crazy. So I just gave you, so definitely hit him up for, Oh, thank you. No, no, yeah. that's all. We, we had a little conversation before the, before the interview and got to talk about certain things. And I appreciate that. I, this is stuff that I just do all the time. And, and if anything, you can do this stuff. Like everyone in our audience can pick up on energy if they meditate and keep themselves grounded. And like you were talking about frequencies. I, I meditate with like rose quartz, 
I don't know if you ever heard about crystal healing. No, I haven't. My, be- my best friend owns a metaphysical shop called Royal Susie here in Tampa. And she started giving me these stones, right? And I was like giving them to other people because I thought they were paperweights. And then I went to Sedona, Arizona in 2016. And I was at the ley lines and all that, red rocks and the ley lines. And one of the people at the local shop gave me a piece of rose quartz. And I started meditating with it while I was there. And I felt the vibrational energy of it. Kind of rose quartz is like considered unconditional love. It's a mm-hmm. stone that like if people are grieving or going through loneliness, despair, it's like I call it a spiritual Xanax kind of thing. It's like it calms you and soothes you just by having it in your energy. And it, it, that's just a, a thought process I do. So it, it's kind of like a healing modality, like music mm-hmm. in the background. If you can incorporate these different ideas, there's all those spiritual practices that you can incorporate into fitness. I, I find that it's helped amp up my meditative practices by having that. I'm going to have to go to the crystals. I think we have a crystal store. I'm not, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to stop in there. I've never stopped in there. Yeah. Check out Rose Quartz. Uh, it's like the universal one that helps people. Like you, you're mentioning illness that you want to help mm-hmm. family members. Like this stuff helps healing. It's one of my favorite stones. I have a lot of different ones I use, but I, I, that's a healing modality that I think is under, under reported on. It's something that, I mean, of course I'm a little sensitive to energies anyway, because of what I do on a day-to-day basis. But when it comes to like, Hey, what can we do to cope? What can we do to manage ourselves? I'm all about anything that can you, anything you can do, like go on a 20 mile run, go meditate, go for a walk, grab a stone, whatever it takes. Like, it doesn't matter if it can help you cope with stress and anxiety and help you put things in perspective. And it's, it's a plus. Absolutely. I think right now that's what we all need is we need to kind of ground ourselves, take three deep breaths, go for a 20 mile run, whatever it is. I want to ask you before we run out of time, share our audience, uh, your show, and, and where they can find you. Cause I want to make sure our audience knows. So the website's artoffitnessandlife.com and it'll have all the resources there. And, but since you're listening to this right now, just go ahead and type in optimal health for busy entrepreneurs and subscribe there. And it is the, about the marriage between health and business, but it's a lot more underneath that as well. When you think to yourself right now of, of where you're at in your life, where do you see yourself in 10 years? What would you be doing? And how do you see your future self? Hmm. Much more of a leader. I think I've been a more of a reluctant leader. So I, I, I'm slowly, it's, it's slowly growing on me to start to, that I'll have some coaches or some to work more with people as well. So right now it's a very high touch service because I'm, it's, it's me and I love the personal one-on-one work, but I think there's a lot of people who could really benefit from precision health and performance. And I, I think that's the next evol- the next step is to get that out there for more people. And so it's not something I can do alone. So I, I can rec- get other people in. And I, I, I think I can be a good leader. And so I, I just feel that. And I think I just always been reluctant to. So I think that's one of the things. And then other than that, just hopefully making, making the world, making the world a little better place and making my, my impact on the world. Well, and one of the things I'll say as you were talking, I get energy from people when they talk. And I, I wrote down the word prolific writer. I know you write a lot already, mm-hmm. but that's going to be something you continue to do. And that's going to help. Like if you think of how you build a house, you put the foundation, you put the beams up, it, like your writing is going to lead you as a foundational aspect of growth for yourself. And then I feel like you're going to do a lot more video production stuff. Yeah. I feel so like you're going to take. We're just getting started with YouTube. YouTube. It's going to grow and invest in it because it's going to be something that you find with your presence and your following, it's going to grow. It's going to catch on. There are going to be ideas you come up with produce-wise, production-wise that mm-hmm. catch on. And it's going to start with the writing aspect of your creative energy. So there's something that you create through writing and then you create video scripts from it or something. And then you do vlogs. I mean, you're spot on. I just just have a YouTube <laughs> channel that I've always, from the episodes, I've always just had things automatically go to YouTube, but I've never really Put like and I even see you blending things on your channel. Like you're yeah. like, okay, here's some quick things I put together. Here's a blender. Here's a drink. Yeah. And then you're talking about something like I see you doing like multi-purpose discussions in front of the camera. Yeah, um, when I get when I get a little braver, there's different things like like being out and about in the city more with my with my camera and 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 stuff vlogging like that. So just because like I, I enjoy I enjoy a nice cocktail and there's a, there's a, there's a, and a, a nice lounge with nice coffee and everything and there's just a lot of good things to show ambiance ambiance <laughs> and stuff yeah so it's a mood it, it's really a lifestyle so and that's what I remind people that I do I train in everything really for the energy and just the vitality that is necessary to carry out the mission that I want to do and just to really get the most out of life and affect people in the most po- 
the, the most beneficial way possible. That's why I do is, is for a lifestyle, a certain type of feeling. I don't really care now about like the looks and everything. That's a side effect that comes along. And it's hard for people to maybe grasp that when you're coming from needing to lose 50, or hundred pounds. So I totally get that. Cause I was like that as a, as a skinny 165 pound kid, I get that. All I could focus on was just getting more muscles. But as you go along and you evolve, and I say the first level one of it, of like, if I'm just making it up levels of fitness instead of, instead of levels of energy, like the book, I said, levels of fitness, right? Take the first step. It is more superficial. It is more vanity to, to feel more comfortable in your skin. And then I think as you go along, it becomes more of a transcendent experience. It becomes more of an experience to where you realize that this habit of fitness that I've taken control over in my life and, I, and my health now, it's going to do amplify all these other areas of my life. Like I'm, I'm much more comfortable now talking on camera, going out in public talking. I'm much more comfortable reaching out for opportunities because I know I can do hard things because I've taken control of my health and that's hard to do. So don't let anyone ever downplay that being on top of your health year after year after year. It's a hard thing. Losing weight is difficult because you have so much temptation. So don't downplay that. So even if you have 30 or 40 pounds to lose, that's still less than, than you probably started with. And that's more than other people. So you, you're definitely making progress and didn't try not to compare as much as well. Just to realize that we're all on our specific journey and race. Absolutely. I am. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. We're, we're, uh, we're short on time, but when you have these kind of conversations, sometimes time doesn't matter. Yeah. It's like, having a message and, and being able to connect and share with our audience is just what's really so important. And I couldn't explain the timeliness of this episode better than anything else right now, because the topics that we covered today, I think could be a primer for anyone listening right now. If they feel like they haven't made their fitness goals yet for the 2022 year, or, or just feel like they're at a transitional stage. I feel like what we're talking about is food for thought and yeah. it's stuff that if they put into action and employ and look at your website and check out your information, we, you know, we can do this. <laughs> There's nothing that's, we can, we can get in touch with our, with our genetics and master our, our own fate by having the right processes in place. Yeah. And I think if you're going through, if you're going through a tough time right now for in whatever aspect of life, taking control of your fitness is, is a great step to take because it's free and you're in full control of it because you can control what you put into your mouth. You can control if you put those shoes on to go out in the garage, to go for a walk, to go to the gym, you're in full control of your fitness. There's a lot of areas like in business, like in, even with relationships, dealing with people, you're not in full control of that. You're not in full control of what the world does, but you are in full control of your fitness. And just having that little percentage of control in your life can do wonders and it can catapult you into other areas and you'll be surprised especially with the confidence you'll gain when you accomplish your goals through those different areas. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just want to thank Julian for coming on the show today and sharing his expertise, background, and, and personal experience. I think it's great when you can have a myriad of different perspectives on, on a show. I always say that having a podcast is like taking a portrait of your guest and having it on display for the audience to gain and learn from. And I feel like Julian has a lot that we can learn from. And I really enjoyed having him on to talk about these various topics about fitness, nutrition. Also though, more importantly, that the body isn't all that we are. It's mind, body, spirit, and alignment and being able to have positive self-talk and, and just know that anything you're, you're being challenged with isn't such an obstacle but a nuance. It's something that we can get past and move beyond to excel and be our better versions of ourselves. So check out Julian's information. I'm going to have the information in the show notes. And I really appreciate you tuning into this episode. We're going to have more episodes along the way. My new podcast, Psychic Visions Podcast with Megan Kane, signed with Electrocast Media will be coming out shortly. I will be sure to let our audience know about that as well. Stay positive because when you're positive, anything's possible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice. 
or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, that's no, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electric acid. Electric acid.